Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Matt Brown with a great stat as we lead off our number two of Outkick 360. We're recapping the college football weekend. Still one game on tap tonight. We've got Clemson taking on Georgia Tech this evening. And then Fired we, up. we get into uh, week two of the college football season and week one of the NFL. Is there a less exciting program in the in Power Georgia Fives Tech. than Georgia Tech right now? Vandy. Vandy, but, but at least Vandy's got Vandy's. a guy who's talking about being the best program okay. of the country in Clark Lee. So they're mixing it up a little bit. To be fair, I did find myself watching some of the Vandy game. I, I did too. If not for this matchup against Clemson and my intrigue on Clemson, I, I this may be the only time I watch Georgia Tech all season. All right, so tell me. I, I knew, by the way, when our buddy Joe Rexrode, who writes The Athletic, put in a tweet that this is Vandy's home opener, but it coincides with a Nashville SC game. I knew then that Vandy was prepping him, that the, the crowd was not going to be good. <laughs> like the fact that that was put in the tweet about what oh. the expectations were. Holy cow. So Vandy's the competition. The end of that game was worse than UCLA. Vandy's competition was uh, how bad as compared to what we expected. Elon would have won against Hawaii by three touchdowns. That's okay. my prediction. They were a yeah, better team. They're, than, they're better than Hawaii, for they, sure. I think they beat Hawaii by three touchdowns. Yeah, there are a bunch of FCS teams, a bunch, that would beat Hawaii based on, based on what we saw in Hawaii. Um, now, I'll say this, too. They ended up winning by 11. Yep. It could have been closer than that. They were way ahead early. But Vandy was also way ahead and then let Elon get back into it. That was a 16-and-a-half-point spread, and that was my lock on Saturday morning. I'm thinking, how is Vandy, who just won 63-10, to 10, only a 16-and-a-half-point favorite at home against FC? Not a really good FCS either in Elon. Mid- mid-level FCS team. And what was the final spread? 42-31, so I lost. <laughs> they, Elon covered Elon should have been forty two thirty eight. Got stuffed at the goal line that'll late. T- that'll teach you. Yeah, that was tough. Tough loss. Tough beat. So uh, a great stat by Matt Brown to kick off the hour. There have been two teams in FBF's history that have lost their opener by forty five or more points and gone on to finish the season ranked in the top twenty five. Nineteen eighty four Virginia lost fifty five nothing to Clemson and. 2016 USC lost 52 to six to Alabama to open the year. That's wow. it. So that's where Oregon is now. They're gunning to make history to be the third. Do you think that Dan Lanning brings that tweet into the <laughs> meeting room today? Guys, got something here as we start our meeting. You know, we're going to go through what we're going to do today. But first, we got this, this from Matt Matt Brown right here. Uh, oh, we could be the third team right now that could finish the we season. We are going to bounce back from this. I mean, they will. It's not, you know, a death knell to the program or anything. But it ain't a good start. Was it not a spotlight for the halves and well, the, the the extreme halves versus the kind of have something? I mean, that was a huge 
discrepancy in talent. It's also an incredible. I'm watching that game thinking this: what Kirby Smart has done at Georgia is incredible because he took over in 2016, and the the roster he has now that has just rebounded off the roster that's now in the NFL from last year. It, that that is not an easy build, and he he took over a program that hadn't won a. Uh, a title in 41 years. We we know the story, but I mean, the, in 2016 they went eight and five, and that included an ugly loss to Vandy. That included an ugly loss to Georgia Tech, a bad loss to Florida. Georgia was miles miles better up front than Oregon, and you can say that 95 percent of their roster was miles better than Oregon but that that to me is what was so glaring the discrepancy we're not talking about this isn't um, Oregon State or Arizona State or Utah from three years ago this is the O on the helmet the ducks went in and got slapped around this is the Nike brand it was it was horrendous and and it wasn't like Mario Cristobal wasn't recruiting at Oregon in his time there before he bolted for for Miami. Yeah. Um, just really, really bad. So where Oregon. are they? And compared? really, really good from and not to slight Georgia at all. A lot of it is Georgia's just that excellent. Yeah, that's why I wanted to say where are they? I didn't see this one. Where are they compared to Utah? If you had to project, oh, Utah's got to be light years better. I, I would think. I mean the big. Everyone's takeaway from Oregon, Georgia was, wow, Georgia's got it again. They're going to be right there to win another national title. And And also, wow, how did anyone think Oregon was the 11th best team in the country? This is also like, (laughs) this this is what Lincoln Riley has pointed to and what we have seen, quite frankly, with the four-team college football playoff. Lincoln Riley, and part of his reason why he left Oklahoma was because there was such a talent discrepancy by the time he got to the college football playoff. Those words came out of his mouth at Oklahoma, where he knew that they were not going to be able to compete man for man against Alabama, Georgia, whoever the SEC sent there. It's so crazy, though, because so much of the talent is just it's, it's in the SEC and then parts of the Big Ten right now. So even at USC, which it, it is very possible, and probably likely under Lincoln Riley, you have to almost build this sort of Death Star, anti-SEC program with all of the top top talent from the West Coast to compete with any team in the SEC. I mean, that, that's what it's going to take to compete with Alabama or Georgia. you got to get almost everybody you want from Southern California, from that part of the country, to not go to... I mean, there are guys from California going to Alabama and Georgia too. Brock Bowers, Bryce Young. I mean, it's not like they're not cherry-picking guys they want from the West Coast as well. So you got to get people to really buck the trend to do anything to stop Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State right now because they are rolling along. 66 points, by the way, for Lincoln Riley in their debut. 21 of them is three pick sixes, sixes, but still pretty impressive point total for for game number one for, for Lincoln. And you mentioned you mentioned UCLA that crowd while we're talking out west. If you haven't go, if you haven't seen it, just Google it. They announced twenty seven thousand. Generous. And uh, oh yeah, I mean this is, I would say seventeen thousand at best. 
It was a very generous 27000 for UCLA. Is there a political reason that the Big Ten wanted UCLA? Because I don't get it. I well, mean, USC, I get. What but, UCLA has turned into, they, so Maryland, so whenever Maryland joined the Big Ten, they were considered the UCLA of the East because, you know, they, that, that was the marketing ploy. Well, it turns that's out that's pretty much, well, no, it's not anymore, Paul. Guess who's broke? UCLA. Yeah, yeah the, this is a lifeline. I mean, they, they don't have They're any broke money. broke for noble reasons, at least, because they, they play everything and want to maintain that. They haven't found a way, obviously, to balance the budget with it, which is bad news. But, like, I respect the fact that they, they try. Um, but, uh, you know, I, even with them failing, I, I don't see how Maryland is their Well, their from, a, from an athletic department budget standpoint, I mean, I, I don't – but here's what I'm saying. If you're the Big Ten and you can go to, in the Pac-12 and get anyone, was there like a – Gentlemen's agreement between USC and UCLA—they had I to feel, go together. I feel like they're because if not, been. if there's not, I would go Washington or Oregon way before UCLA. If I've already got USC, I would I, go one of those. I'd go I Utah think, before I'd go UCLA to the to the Big Ten. I think also for for well, other sports, six, don't you? Might as well take them both. I think for other sports, also, don't you want to pair it off? I just don't think in that, terms of a trip to LA. Yeah, I could see that being a part of it. Logistically, it makes sense for basketball or you know Anything volleyball else. to go there and play both teams. I think they just wanted ownership of the market. I don't, I don't think it had anything to do about you know ownership of the market. Big Ten's not thinking about what the Sun Belt Conference would do in travel. Well, purposes. here's here's why I asked that because I look at that they crowd, would pair up. I look at that crowd on Saturday and think, don't you already have ownership of LA if you got USC? Because no one cares about UCLA. Well, somebody might care about UCLA if this prompts them to rebound. I mean, UCLA's a good property when UCLA's good. UCLA basketball, yes. I, I just don't know what UCLA football is anymore when I see that. Chip Kelly yeah. hasn't worked Who there. Who are they playing, Bowling Green? Bowling Green. Yeah. But it's given – I saw awful. where they, they are claiming to have 43,000 season ticket holders. 24,000 people showed – that was the announced attendance. Yeah. So if that's the case, then 20,000 or so season ticket holders didn't even show up. That well, also, tickets. what's attractive? I mean, a lot of those Pac-12 schools aren't attractive opponents. What do well, you mean by attractive opponents? For whom? Well, if I'm a UCLA fan and the Pac-12 is down, well, the key as word it is, is fan. And if you're a fan, you're going to the game like that. I mean, look around the country and then compare it to UCLA. If you're a fan of USC, you're going to the game this year. You're playing the same team. Well, you're going to the game this year because you're juiced up. Uh, you're playing the same team. Yeah, but you're juiced up about Lincoln Riley and all of that. I'm saying if I'm a UCLA fan and my team is down, uh, if Utah's not at home, if Oregon's not at home, if you, you, uh, and USC, those are the three games I'd be most interested in. Now, how many of them are at home? I just don't know. Again, I, I've watched a lot of UCLA football over the years, and most of the time when I'm watching them, it's because of who they're playing in the Rose Bowl, and then half the stadium at least is the opponent. And then you watch the Rose Bowl every year, and it's beautiful. In Pasadena with the mountains in the backdrop and everything else. Watching this Lakers documentary on Hulu, and I'm going to get to a college football point, Dr. Jerry Buss went to every USC football game. And watching how L.A. in the 70s and 80s 
was a college football town as much as a Lakers town is fascinating because it's very much Dodgers, it's Lakers, and everyone gets behind USC in football in that city. And it was packed in the Coliseum for games that he was on the sideline for. Lincoln Riley sees that, right? I mean, that it could get there again where that area unites behind USC football and shows out for games. I don't see it getting that way for UCLA at all. They need to, redu- they need to have an on-campus smaller stadium. But with their budget, that's you know, 20 years away well, they also at this have, point. They have the, not the Big started Ten will school. help, though. School had not started back, so I'm sure they're going to point to that. It's 100 degrees. I'm sure they're going to point to that. Great. The Kardashians were down on Rodeo. What's their average you know, student attendance for games? 2,500 to yeah, 5,000? It's, it's not good. So add 5,000 people, and they're still under 30,000 people. I mean, they've got an issue in that Pasadena isn't close to Westwood. You know. Yeah. Any school with that, unless you're great, is that's an issue. That that sucks if if you're built that way. Coming up, week one delivered across college football, and more than just with the SEC Power Five matchups. When we come back, we discuss UNC and Appalachian State, and what was a great game for college sports. Unbelievable. North Carolina State and ECU. Uh, the opener for, for East Carolina and somehow the Wolfpack surviving that matchup. We, we discussed those plus other big takeaways from around the Southeastern Conference. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We'll go rapid fire around the SEC a bit later in today's show. Glad you're with us. We broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Jam-packed 6th and Peabody here on this Labor Day. Man, week one got off to a bang on Saturday with UNC and App State. I should rewind. The Friday night game was really good, too. TCU and Colorado... Am I getting TCU, that right? Colorado. The yeah. good game, though, was Old Dominion knocking off Virginia Tech. Brent Pry, uh, longtime yes. coach for James Franklin, yes. former defensive coordinator at Vandy for, for James Franklin also. I want to point out. They win uh, in a close one at home over Virginia Tech. I was watching the TCU game. Darius Davis, if you haven't uh, heard about him, if you want to know about a great kickoff and punt returner, go watch him with the punt return, 4-3 speed. I'm guessing. I mean, it, it looks like it. Much faster than that, even, with pads on, too, down the sideline. He was electric for the Frogs, TCU, and uh, Colorado this past weekend. But the, the two best games that, that kicked off on Saturday, um, UNC App State and then NC State and ECU, where Appalachian State and East Carolina both were able to host these games. Appalachian State... Got up 21 nothing. North Carolina, 21-7. 21-7. North Carolina wasn't showing much. You're watching, you're watching Mac Brown, and you're like, man, this is, this is not going to go well. And then they turned things on. 
They've got a freshman quarterback who is legit. At least he, he was in this, in this outing, coming down from behind. They grabbed the lead. Appalachia State somehow comes back. And then, then the chaos took off in the final five minutes of regulation into overtime. Craziness. Drake May is the quarterback for, uh, for Carolina. I believe he is Luke May's little brother, who was a great basketball player for the Tar Heels, if you, if you yeah, recall. He's fun, man. And um, Both quarterbacks were great. Yes. Yeah, Chase Bryce, former Clemson quarterback, was terrific for Appalachian State. Both those games in the early time slot, that 11 a.m. Central between those schools were terrific. I'm actually writing about this for OutKick where I want to see more of these road games from Power 5 conference schools on the road against in-state group of five opponents. We love them as college football fans. The teams that have to play in these games and occasionally lose hate them. Virginia Tech, for example, I'm sure never wants to play Old Dominion again on the road Maybe even at home. They've lost the last two times they played. 2018 at Virginia Tech and now Friday night there. And also, by the way, they got robbed because they went back to their locker room and someone snuck in and stole their valuables out of their their locker room at Old Dominion. But these matchups are terrific. The scene in Boone for App State and North Carolina was awesome. Craziest fourth quarter I think I've ever seen. 62 combined points. 40 40 of them. From Appalachian State. Appalachian State scored two touchdowns in the final 31 seconds and failed on two two-point conversions. Either one would have tied the game. Great atmosphere. One wide open. on the- Yes. Wide open. And I think that was a little bit the receiver's fault also. Started for turning and too backpedaling early. too quick instead of running to it. Um, but ECU, another great environment uh, in Greenville, North Carolina – had every chance to beat Dave Doran's NC State team, who I think is very overrated going into this season. Um, kicking problems for ECU. That game, by the way, I believe was forced by the North Carolina legislature. Yeah, I said that Friday. Yeah. So, um, yeah, great great atmosphere, both games. The uh, I, I was following the App State game on – Twitter really for you know that's the kind of game if you're not paying attention and you're at a kid's baseball practice or in the emergency room with him um, and peeking at Twitter you can't help but be forced into intrigue and constantly checking your score app to see what's going on and really feel like you're missing out on a collective experience with with all of college football fandom Uh, and then when you see the highlights at night you're like wow that lived up to everything people were saying about it um, when they when they say, okay, we'll pick this game up in the middle of the fourth quarter, and you feel like, oh, you could give me a little bit more of what led up to all of this. I, I also feel like, you know, they're up 21-7, to and Appalachian State was actually favored, I think, by a point and a half in that game. So you're disappointed if you lose at home to, to big, bad North Carolina. But ECU has to be the one that's just yeah. kick, kicking themselves over the kicks in that game. They miss an extra point, not blocked. Flat out missed the extra Terrible. point to tie. You think it's over then? Nope, they get the ball back. Missed they get right back a, into had, a makeable field goal yeah. attempt and miss again, and that ended the game for ECU. And it wasn't close. Yeah. Really <laughs> I mean, and I just, wasn't – I mean, look, I wasn't impressed by NC State, especially offensively. I thought they were going to bring more to the table offensively. I, I think they're going to be good on defense as the year goes on. I wasn't overly impressed by anything ECU was doing either in the game. I was impressed by App State offensively. 
right, in, in that game. That, that I was oh, at least impressed with one side of the ball. No one was stopping anyone, though, in that North Carolina uh, App State game. Hutton and I but a lot of fun. With North Carolina State winning the ACC, I certainly am not feeling great about that. Well, well we're just, you know, and I, I write we'll about see. this. I want to see the quarterback at Clemson tonight before I yeah. declare them dead. Yeah, I, I want to see Clemson also against the least interesting program in the country in Georgia Tech. Um, but I write about this in my piece. We're looking at the future of programs like ECU and App State in a world where they're just going to become completely obsolete and probably play in some sort of level of football that we haven't seen yet, if this continues going down this path, I'd love to see more them. Those campuses host games like this annually moving forward. It's fun for the fan, but again, I just don't think you're going to be in a hurry if you're NC State. You were forced one time. I don't think you're going to want to do that again and go play at ECU. Well, so East Carolina won at NC State one year and destroyed their stadium. And so NC State said, you're not coming back. We're not playing you again. Bye. And then the legislature made them play. Do you so know? Do you now, know you're, now they also have to play App State, too. Crazy thing about it, they had a little featurette during the game on that. Do you know who they played when they destroyed their stadium? They destroyed NC State Stadium because they beat Miami. They were affected by a hurricane, and NC State allowed them to host Miami in Raleigh, 88 miles away, and they won and tore down the goalpost. And NC State was pissed that they celebrated and tore down NC State's goalpost after upsetting a, a top-ranked Miami team in that game. Probably, I mean, was it natural turf there? Uh, I don't think so. I want to see. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's grass, natural grass. Chances are the turf didn't last very, uh, didn't hold up very well either for that. Um, Carolina had not played since the uh, the early 80s um, with, with App State, right? Because of the, uh, there's no benefit there for either team. But the legislature's making them do that. So I like it. More, I, I, uh, I mean, I don't think government should have to be no, involved not, in any of this. Let's round robin let's it. I think, I think now NC State should play Appalachian State in a two-year home-and-home, and North Carolina plays ECU and then flip-flop. Just keep changing them up. They're not forced, by the way, to play on the road. That was the intriguing part of all this, is scheduling the games on the road. They just have to play. Yep, bold. So I, I commend them for going on the road and playing these games. Yeah, again, they don't have to do it, any of these things. So I, I love that they said yes to it. I give full marks to North Carolina and NC State for doing it, for going there and playing. It's a huge benefit to Appalachian State and ECU, way more than North Carolina or NC State. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 is where you can find us. Ole Miss... Uh, they beat Troy 28-10. Kiffin not pleased with the offense at all. Uh, here's his quote. Uh, I'm reading this from On3. Great performance by the defense. The guys really came out, held us together. Three offensive turnovers in the second half. And really, that's about as ugly as you can play in the second half offensively. It's great for our defense. They showed up today. Offense in the second half was miserable. The goal is to get to 1-0, but we have a high standard. We have to improve. And... Um, Kiffin speaking on the crowd size. He's, they probably got bored in the second half. I would be too with our offense. They only threw for 167 yards. Yeah. That and here's here's the uh, – so they, they ran for 266 yards. Kiffin, the Rebels scored on their opening drive in the third quarter, and here's the rest of the second half for Ole Miss. Fumble, interception, punt. Fumble, punt. 
and a total of 70 yards of offense during that against Troy. Yeah, that sounds like the kind of game you leave. So Altmar's playing. He's, he's starting this week against some scrub team, I'm guessing. I kind of like that quick hook. I'm contemplating a column this week on uh, people who are, uh, and I'm going to crowdsource for some of it, uh, overly loyal. The Yankees right now being overly loyal to a shortstop that's good on balls to either side, but struggles with balls hit right at them. Can, can, I, I, can I give you another I, team? Balls right at him. Can Think I, about that. A shortstop who can't field balls right at him. Paul, for your piece, can I give you another suggestion yeah, of, a, of a team that's overly loyal? Nebraska. They've had 383 consecutive sellouts. <laughs> they were tied with North Dakota on Saturday at halftime. Not the good North Dakota, not North Dakota State. That turns out NFL <laughs> the talent. Bad North, North Dakota in Brookings. Now, maybe that's South Dakota I was watching. Grand Forks, North Dakota's North Dakota, and they are not very good. Are these fans actually in seats? And I'm seats? watching this, and I'm these thinking, legit this is, sellouts? This now, I feel like you look stupid that you continue to go. I mean, the, the, the crowd was amazing on Saturday, and I'm thinking, I admire the loyalty, but at, at some, some point, point, you're feeding you send a message. the negativity of the program when you continue to show up game after game uh, when this is going on. So Nebraska is a good example of that. Mississippi State over Memphis, 49-23. Will Rogers, exactly what we expected, expected out of him to be uh, to open the season. He shredded Memphis's defense. 450 yards, five touchdowns. Ryan Silverfield's got a problem at Memphis. We interviewed him this offseason, but that's a program not headed in the right direction since Mike Norvell left for Florida State. Um, Mississippi State was one of the more impressive performances, though, that I saw this weekend in the SEC. Um, I would put their performance right there with Tennessee's in terms of playing to identity and playing clean and efficient in the game and looking the way they should look in game number one. They look like a very well-coached football team, very impressed. And Memphis just scored in Georgia time, in in garbage time, because I'm I'm thinking of the the game last year where they're getting back into it. They – we know how the game finishes on that special teams uh, run, Chad. But the 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 Memphis team I saw, man, they have fallen off a cliff. If that's their team this year versus the team we saw last year against Mississippi State, they don't have that um, the same identity they had under Mike Norvell, where they were getting a lot of kids in Memphis to buy in and yeah. commit to the local school, and there was a very Memphis versus everyone else feel to those teams. Not seeing that as much with this Memphis program now under Ryan Silverfield. Um, Mississippi State was impressive. Going back to Ole Miss also and Jackson Dart and now going to Altmeyer, the backup quarterback. Um, I think what this this just speeds up the process of what we really knew this offseason. It was going to be really tough to, to replace Matt Corral. I mean, even Lane Kiffin, with as great of an offensive coach as he is, bringing in Jackson Dart, who is a highly touted recruit, on you know coming in immediately to think that he's going to be anything approaching Matt Corral was going to be a tough ask. Now, I still believe they're going to be really good on offense as the year goes along. They're going to figure it out. They're not going to be Matt Corral good offensively, but they're going to figure it out as the year goes on. So I think both of those Mississippi schools, right now Mississippi State has the more established identity and a much better quarterback that's got experience and Will Rogers. By the time this season goes on and they meet at the end of the year, you're going to see two offenses performing at a very high level. Well, and their schedule allows them to figure it out. They're hosting Central Arkansas. 
They will then go to Georgia Tech, and then they host Tulsa. It's a nice month of figuring yeah, it out. Yeah, I mean, it's they, they, they have time, no matter how pissy Kiffin wants to be about the play of Jackson Dart, he's going to play both guys. If, if Dart beat him out in, the, in, in camp, I mean, he's, he's playing two quarterbacks. Yeah, he's sending a message right now to Dart. That, that's all this is. I, I, don't, I do not believe he thinks that, that Altmaier is a better option long term. He wants Dart to get the message and play better. First half was close with Kentucky and Miami of Ohio, but Kentucky in the second half on the scoreboard uh, dominated. Now, even during their dominant performance in the second half, they, they were still areas of struggle. So again, uh, they've got to pick back up. That's the opposite of Ole Miss. They've got Florida coming up now. They don't have Central Arkansas on the schedule. How differently, or are we? How differently are we looking at Florida, Kentucky now based off week one results with Florida upsetting? And people upset. It, by Vegas standards, a very small upset, but still yeah. an upset for Florida. And by public over expectations. Over a top 10 team. Yeah. And then Kentucky really struggling. I mean, I know the final score looks good for the Wildcats, but they really struggled in the first half of that game. And Kentucky's going to be good, and they're going to be good on defense. But there's not many running backs that have that big of an impact on an offense. I think in large part, many of the running backs in this league are sort of plug-and-play guys based on the offensive style. That Kentucky offense revolves around Rodriguez. And I, I saw that once again. With all the accolades for Will Levis and people saying he's going to be a top pick, I don't see it because of his inconsistency. That's not a quarterback-led team. That's a running back-led team on offense. I think they're going to struggle badly in the swamp coming up this Saturday. So Florida wins that game and things are upside down in t- in two weeks, three weeks. Well, suddenly it goes from... Well, not upside down. Florida, I mean, there was debate of whether or not Florida would be picked second in the East back in July. But yeah. they weren't. They weren't, but I mean, it's not like they've been overlooked. It's not like we're talking about Missouri. Picked, I know, but they weren't picked third either, right? They Look, it, it, this was always going to be a tough game. I think going. I'm not. I'm not saying the world's upside down, and now Kentucky's going to lose by 30 in the swamp. I think it's going to be a very close game. I'm just surprised Florida beat Utah. But if Florida starts <laughs> out winning those it two it looks games. like now, I think they're going to be they're going to be three and zero going to Knoxville. Well, then the East, the if Florida month. wins those two games, the East comes down to the matchup on the 24th in Knoxville. That'd be a heck of a... Chad, your thoughts. That, that sucks for UT and burn. Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. Those are my thoughts. Either way. That Florida can't stay down very if, long. If Tennessee could go to Pitt and win, and you get two... And, and Florida wins this weekend at home over Kentucky, and you get two 3-0 and teams in Knoxville, uh, and Florida already having the upper hand in conference with the win over Kentucky under their belt, I'm not kidding. Knoxville will burn. It will be quite the atmosphere for that game. Will you be there? We're I'm, going. I'm hoping so, yeah. I'm hoping I'll be there. We're going. We'll be there. Hutton's <laughs> not leaving any room for you to say no. I'm hope I'm hoping to go. <laughs> I've already secured a flight back, and Chad knows exactly what I'm oh, talking about. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, going. Yes. He's, he's got a flight. I'll be driving. What? Uh, oh, what? I'll be driving. have <laughs> got an event that I will be allowed to announce later. I'll be um, driving on That right. is massive Excellent. back here in Nashville. Yeah, no, it, it's it's going to be a great – look, either way. I mean, if Tennessee's 2-1 and one and loses at Pittsburgh, it's going to be a huge game. It'll be their first SEC game at home 
And this Florida game is winnable for Tennessee this year with both those teams. I'm not, I'm not going to go ahead and predict and say they're going to be a big favorite in the game or even a favorite at all. They can beat this Florida team. They can. And so can Kentucky. Will they? They've had, Tennessee's lost to plenty of mediocre to bad Florida teams also over the stretch. So can Kentucky. Yes. You know, they're, they're they can. Are, the running back will be back. I mean, Florida one. did turn it over to Utah. This is a better defense what? at Kentucky. That I would take Kentucky's defense and that defensive-minded coach over what we saw from Utah. Why can't? Why is Mark Stoops being so weird about the, the him announcing? You cannot. You can say that he's not available and With say, the, but he's like, it's out of my hands, guys. It's a university issue, and uh, it's just weird how he's framing it instead of just saying well, he's a, not. He's not available. Yeah, it's yeah, I know. It's like he doesn't want to be the spokesman for the university on this for some reason. He's the spokesman for the university on football matters. Yeah. He's the football coach. Well, he even no, no, said yeah. last week he said something about, you know, he's, it's, it's, a, it's a suspension for this game, and then we'll see what goes. And then someone said, so how long is suspension? He said, I didn't say suspension. You did. But he said it. He said the word in a different way in his announcement and then claimed he didn't say that. It's, it's very strange. It's all semantics. Well, yeah, he, but we do know he's out for this game. They said he was out at least two weeks. The report. Maybe three. Kentucky hasn't said bleep. There's a report from three weeks ago that says, I'm being told it's at least a two-week suspension for Chris Rodriguez, but that wasn't coming from the program. That was something from the school also. Mark Stoops is just saying, he's not with us today. We don't know he's about his day status. By day. Yeah. He is, he's not officially said that he's going to be out. I take that as he's out. If he's not with the team right now or practicing with the team. Perhaps or the university the has some concerns after that opener and all of a sudden so. he's uh, closer no, I think to think Stoops has some concerns with the university um, and with Coach Cal and everyone else there. Make the university sweat. It's crazy that Stoops gets what he wants in a facility. John Calipari, it's a <laughs> basketball school. He's not getting what he wants. Yet somehow Stoops is more pissed than John Calipari for saying what he did publicly about Kentucky being a basketball school because now it's been said publicly by a public figure what everyone knows and everyone recruits against Kentucky with, that you're always going to be second place there because it's a basketball school. And now Stoops is mad about that, yet he physically got what he wanted, which is everything in his facility, to run the football program appropriately. And because of all of this – he may very well be looking for another job at the end of the season. Not because Kentucky wants him out, but because he's fed up with the things going on around Kentucky and talk of them not being a football school, which, oh, by the way, they're a basketball school. Can you we imagine, can though, that. if he laughed because he's upset about all this stuff and his replacement took Kentucky back to its old self in football, how pissed Kentucky pe- – and Cal continue to do what Cal's done, which is not deliver national championships. How pissed Kentucky people would be? They'd be I mean, they're going to be upset. That's where it would really turn is if this Kentucky football season turns south and then Stoops leaves and the idea is it all started because of that comment from John yeah. Calipari. That's, and then that's basketball going to put do more pressure on Calipari to win yeah. in basketball. And then he doesn't do which it. Which there's already a ton of pressure to win with Kentucky basketball. I'm I'm Could here to ugly. watch it. I'm here to watch all of it. Chad, did you see Jack Harlow on game day? I did. I, I don't know. 
full full disclosure okay. here. I don't know a lot about Jack Harlow. I've mm-hmm. maybe heard two or three of his songs. He's from Kentucky. That's why I'm... he's from Louisville. I knew that. You know Does why? He sound good because he gave one of the most. He's a rapper, so you'll hate it. He gave one of the most uh, awkward interviews at the Kentucky Derby, and he was from Louisville and talking about being from Louisville. But it was very odd when he was interviewed there. It was a horrendous uh, appearance on College Game Day. It's so bad, though, I'm thinking, is he intentionally (laughs) too cool for them? Yes. To where it's like his whole thing is just easy breezy, I'm not going to engage because... You're old and it not cool helps, and I am. It also helps if you know who's sitting beside you, if you're one of the hosts. And they clearly had no clue. Right? Like, they, they were aged out on Jack Harlow. I would have to do research on Jack Harlow's background in order to ask him some stuff. But it's also one of those where, I mean, I get what you're saying. You want people to feel comfortable and kind of get in their mode also. But when you're asked to pick games on College Game Day, which has been going on for so many years, you're kind of stepping into their world. So it's typically more people jotting down a few notes and doing a little bit of research and offering up picks because you're on in their world at that point. I, it's almost like he expected the College Game Day set to be in a Jack Harlow concert and just go along with him and whatever well, he he's doing. he also performed, didn't he? Yeah, he performed there. He performed afterward on uh, ESPN+. Plus. I think they went away. They went to the game on ESPN, and he had two songs he was playing. <laughs> it was – I watched the whole thing, and it was terrible. Uh, it was very was uncomfortable. Picks? Do you have any idea? I don't know how he did on the picks. He kept making a joke about Kane Brown having a good year last year. He finished first, and he's like, oh, I, I bet Kane Brown. He's a real football guy. He, I, I guarantee you he did well. I'm not going to do as good as he did. He was joking about that. But, I mean, they would go to him, and he – Cincinnati, Arkansas. What, Jack Harlow, you pick first. I once talked to a girl from Cincinnati, so I'm going with that. <laughs> that was the pick. And then, and then I kind of like that. And then Lee Corso goes, "Not so fast, my friend," and jumps in on that being the Cincinnati pick. And how was Corso? He just kind of stared and smiled at Corso. There was no reaction to anything he was saying. How was Corso? Corso was better than he was when they were doing it remotely That's the week before. That's going to be a week to week But he's still. I mean, it's just uncomfortable to watch. And sad, knowing what Corso was, that he continues to go out there and do it. But I, I get that ESPN's in a tough spot. You can't fire Lee Corso if he really wants you to keep doing him. it. You can totally retire Lee Corso. You can also tape everything you do with him and Have reproduce multiple it. takes, yeah. It's, uh, if it's that bad. It's really bad. It's been bad for years, but it's gotten, it gets a little bit worse every year. But, I mean, it was an uptick from the previous week. Where they were Which all was an all-time low. in remote spots, and there was a delay. You could tell, and he was he was hearing something and losing his train of thought immediately as he was trying to talk, and then it would just turn into slurry, yeah, incoherent talk. Um, we are live today, Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, we will uh, switch gears. We'll look ahead to the NFL Week One slate. That's straight ahead. Plus, we'll get back into the college football discussion and hit some headlines going into week two of all of the matchups across the SEC and more on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. So I'm very familiar with this song. Really? I am. Is it a remake? I'm familiar with the original song, not this version of it. This version. I'm not at all familiar. Claire is a massive fan of Jack Harlow. I think it's part in I think it's partly due to the him being from Kentucky. She's just a big fan <laughs> and of he also Kentucky played rap. It, he also like played the university uh, tour thing, so he was in Murfreesboro. At MTSU, by the way, the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee State are quite the embarrassment right now. Um, so, Paul, let me set the cir- let me set the stage for you because I, I think Chad, you know, this was James Madison's first game in FBS. This is their first game in the Sunbelt Conference. <laughs> yeah, they they were a power for years in FCS. They paid, paid. James Madison paid Middle Tennessee to go on the road, and Middle lost 44-7 as James Madison opens up their Division I FBS schedule. How much did you in, make? In all, in all, they were paid $1.5 million in, in, to, in total for this week one loss. Now, not all of it came from James Madison. Half of it came from Missouri. This was supposed to be Missouri. Missouri bought out middle. So they took the buyout, went and tried to find another opponent. And here's James Madison willing to play them, host them, and we're going to pay middle to be there. And not only did they win the game, they kicked their ass. I mean, it was... It, it was, was not close. Ever. I'm, I had three screens going. This was among... And I have been going to MTSU games since I was young with my dad. This was among the worst performances top to bottom I've ever witnessed and put myself through. So things are moving in the right direction. That's <laughs> what I'm hearing you say. Is there, is so there, is the there hope for better things this season? Well, they're, they're probably set a new attendance record um, in two weeks because they're hosting TSU. That, that remains the attendance record at Floyd Stadium. And if, I mean, that, that, will, that should be, if not a sellout, very a- close to it. Um, but we're talking about a Conference USA team here. Like there is a different level than first time, first first game in in FBS at the Sun Belt. It was miserable, pure misery. That, that's that's what I, the I put my, highly disappointed. Put myself through. But the campus is beautiful. Like I spent half the time like wandering around, scouring the internet, just trying to see what all's on campus. Ph- photos of James Madison's campus. Yeah, my alumni association sent a big group up there. If you can imagine that. The BRAA, the Blue Raider Athletic Association. That's a tough one. That's a tough road Those, trip. Yeah, that that was rough. <laughs> I was watching photo. I was seeing scrolling photos of them. They're they're at the uh, Woodrow Wilson Museum or whatever that's on campus there. I Beautiful feel campus. for you. I feel for you on that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this week they're on the road at Colorado State. So they got a chance there, right? 
I don't think so. No? Yeah, I'm, I'm reading a story. I mean, Colorado the, State's pretty bad. James Madison, um, this was the, the loss in Fargo last year was the last game as an FCS program. And now they move up, and it's a whole article about how now North yeah. Dakota State has no competition because <laughs> James Madison was always their biggest competition in FCS, and now they're moving up. Oh, I was, I, I mean, I'm not expecting them to win the conference by any means. Uh, the I, top end of the conference like is really bit. good. It's very let, top. Let heavy. me also say very top. That's heavy. a very good program. They beat Virginia Tech a few years ago on the road. Chad, I Chad. know it's it, forty-four seven. James, James it Madison should not be forty-four seven. James Madison paid MTSU seven hundred grand. No, it should not be forty-four to seven. It, it's one of those that you could understand them losing a close, hard-fought game to a good James Madison program on the road. Hard fought, close. Forty-four to seven is not either of those things. So it's inexcusable. Um, and we, while we're mentioning this uh, radio only today, uh, TSU, uh, Eddie George, they went on the road. Paul, they were on the road at Eastern Washington, Michael Roos Field. Which is what color? Red. Red. Yes. And they, uh, they held their own. East, Eastern Washington for Division Two. they're ranked seventh in the nation. And they were up 19 19- 13, I think, 1914, something like that, TSU was. There was a weather delay, and then they came back out and lost 29-19, I think was the final score. But I, I've, I'm very yeah, impressed. They were up in the fourth quarter. Very impressed with what Eddie's done in year two so far. And now they head to Memphis. They take on Jackson State and Dion this Saturday. Well, Jackson State's had a tough go of it. Lately. Well, Jackson State, though, destroyed Florida A&M, beat Florida A&M worse than... Uh, North Carolina beat Florida A&M the week before. So, still a good team. Coming up, we get you ready for week one across the NFL. Hour three of Outkick 360 is next.